Before I begin, I'd like to welcome Father Francis Orozco to Our Lady of Wisdom. He is the Vocations Director for the Dominican Order. Father Francis, we're very grateful to have you here. I also want to remind everyone that we will not be doing the sign of peace at this Mass just because of the, the spread of the coronavirus and the directives of the diocese. So if you, whenever you see me say the peace of the Lord with you always and with your spirit and we go right into the Lamb of God, it's not because I forgot, it's just because the, the bishop has asked us to, to forgo that practice for now to kind of prevent the spread of this, this virus. Also, too, I have to admit, guys, that I've been kind of on a Disney kick. So last year, last week, if y'all were here, y'all got the bare necessities and y'all got, y'all got blue. This week, y'all are going to get the Lion King. So for those of you who do not are unfamiliar with the Lion King, it's about basically a pride alliance who rule over the promised land. And there's like this awesome rock called Pride Rock. I've never seen anything like it you know, in, in actual nature, but it's a really cool cartoon. And so basically, you know, Simba is this child of Mufasa, and long story short, Mufasa has an evil brother, evil brother kills Mufasa, Simba runs away, pretends that his problems don't exist, realizes that as he's gone, his problems only get worse, the pride land becomes a desolate wasteland, and then basically Rafiki and Nala come and intervene, and he goes and saves the, the promised land. So there you go, there's, there's Lion King in about eight seconds. Um, but what's interesting to me about, about the Lion King, and the reason why I bring it up, is I think it really much it really applies in a special way to today's gospel. What is the, what is the moment where Simba really transforms? Where he leaves a, a, aside his selfish ways of Akuna Matata, no worries, just kind of bumming around with Simone and, and Pumbaa, and rather embraces his identity as a beloved son, as a child of a king. And it's whenever he meets Rafiki and Rafiki goes and shows him his reflection in a pool and all of a sudden a cloud lighted up in the face in, in the face and the symbol and the shape of his father comes and reminds him of who he is. Mufasa, in the form of a cloud, looks at Simba and says, you have forgotten who, the, who you are and you're more than what you've become. Remember that you are a king that you are my son, the one true king. And he fades away, whispering, remember, remember, remember. And to me, that is a very good image of what the transfiguration is today. See, what happens in, the tra- in, in, in Mufasa, or with, with Mufasa and Simba, is whenever Mufasa whispers to Simba that he is a son, that he is the one true son, that he is the king, that the king to be, that he should go back and reclaim the promised land, he's affirming Simba's identity. Because Simba had forgotten who he was. Simba thought that he was just kind of this free teenager that was just going to kind of live as a, as a bum for a long time. And it was his father who reminded him, no, you are worth so much more than that. Your destiny is so much greater than simply living Akuna Matata. But what the difference is, is here in the gospel, we have kind of the same dynamic. We have God the Father in the form of a cloud affirming the identity of his son, Jesus Christ. But the difference is, is that it's not that Jesus needed his identity to be affirmed for himself. It's not him that who, it's not he who was doubting his identity. He wasn't doubting that he was a son of God. No, God the Father is affirming Jesus' identity not for his son's sake, but for our sake. 
See, what we have in today's gospel passage is we have Jesus leading his close friends up Mount Tabor. Now, I went to Mount Tabor back whenever I was in the Promised Land, and it's a hike. It's not an easy, it's not an easy journey. It takes a long time to get up there. It's very, very exhausting. By the time you get up there, you're, you're really, you're, it's, it's really, there's really nothing much there. But nonetheless, that's where Jesus took his, his, his apostles. And it's there that he goes and transfigures himself by the grace of God to them. And what does God say? What does God the Father say as Jesus is transfigured, as his face is shining bright as the sun, as his, his clothes are white as snow? He looks at, at, his, at, at the apostles and says, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. And what happens? Jesus becomes more, Jesus becomes more normal. He looks, he looks like he's always looked. And he looks at his apostles and he says the first thing really in the gospel, really the only thing he says in the gospel, right after the father says, listen to him. And this is what he says. Rise and do not be afraid. Rise and do not be afraid. See, to me, that is the purpose of the transfiguration. To remind the apostles two things. One, who they are, and two, where they are going. Reminding them of their baptism. Because these same words that God the Father told Jesus at his baptism, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, is the same words that he tells you and me whenever we are baptized. Because at that moment we are changed into his image, into his likeness, and we become altar creatures. We become another Christ in Christ. We become, if you will, Jesus. But not only that, what he does, he gives us a purpose. He gives us a destiny, not just to live as if we have no worries, not as to live as if we have no responsibilities, not as to live as if there's no purpose to our lives, but instead he gives us a purpose and he says, you are a future citizen of heaven. You have a purpose, you have a goal, and it's to look like my son looks right here on this mountain of the transfiguration. And that is beautiful. That is what gives them hope. That is what gives them joy, and that's what gives them the courage to fight. See, the same thing happened to Simba. What happens is his, his father comes, tells him who he is, and what does he do? He gets the courage to go out and fight. He gets the courage to go out and meet Scar, meet his enemies, meet the very thing that he's most afraid of, and what does he do? Even with much struggle, even with much cross, many crosses to bear, even with many enemies to fight, he still becomes triumphant because he has confidence, confidence in God the Father. He has confidence in Mufasa. In the same way, us apostles are called to fight the enemy with Christ, confident that he has our back. Confident that no matter what, no matter what crosses we might bear, no matter what passions might come, we can rise and not be afraid. Because God the Father is with us. He's going before us and he will not forsake us. And what does that do? That gives us hope. It gives us hope that you and I have a purpose in life, have a mission to, to embark on and have a destiny. Knowing that ultimately these crosses that we bear, these passions that we might endure, are not permanent. They're merely temporary. And the fact of the matter is, is, even these crosses are done with Christ. Even these fights are done with Christ. And what's the purpose of all these? To get us to heaven. To make us look like Jesus up on that mountain. 
One funny little detail about this, about this, this, little, this little passage that I just noticed is that Peter is so excited to see Jesus transfigured that he says, hey, let's stay here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to build three tents, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. Notice something missing. There's no tents for himself. He has no way to provide for himself. He's just going to kind of trust in God the Father right there. He was so stinking happy at that moment that to him it didn't even matter if he had shelter. He just wanted to stay there with God. That's what heaven's like. Heaven is us being transfixed with the gaze of God to the point where we don't even care about ourselves anymore. All we want to do is be with the Lord. And that's what he has in store for us. So my dear friends, we're kind of getting toward, we're in the second week of Lent, we're, we're still going, the fight is still real, and the reason why the church has given us this gospel to do, is to do those two things, to remind us who we are, and to remind us that where we're going, that the best is yet to come, and whenever we get there, we won't even care where we're living, or whether we have a tent to stay in.